Recorded live.
Vincent, Vincent Eastwood, uh, you may have to click the uh, box it, it, uh, to unmute you or to select your microphone at the bottom left. Hey, or maybe that way. You can't hear me? Now Can you I hear? Can. Okay, I got you. Good. Good job Good. with the pointing there, man. Because it's often uh, is it this the... corner or is it that corner? Yeah, well, it, it was that, it was that corner, but this of course, we're not... yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So <laughs> it's weird, man. All right. All right. Um, 
Yeah, it looks like we're good. Um, got everything shared out now. People are in the chats. I haven't shared it out yet. Have you got a link? Yeah. Um, go to my Facebook. The Derek Grosskirth Facebook. Unless uh, you know what, I can just send it to you. Be quicker. Live with Vinny Eastwood. That's what I I just I sent it to your messenger on Facebook. You want oh, to well, share it, that? it turns out they were just as quick as each other, as uh, quick as it took me to go to your Facebook and copy the link. That was as long as it took you to find Thank the link there. and copy it and give it to me. <laughs> I think you know your way around that thing good enough. Um, I got some coffee in the microwave. Let me grab that right quick. We'll be ready. Oh go. yeah. Earbuds at. All right, man. So, as soon as I click live, there'll be about a minute and a half delay while the intro's being played. Okay. Um, I'll come on here, you know, do my quick intro spiel. Thank the patrons, all that stuff. And uh, do my intro. We'll just jump in the conversation. All right. So we're going to go ahead and make sure. I... Can I request p- recording permission? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to. It says, please request oh, recording permission from the um, Maybe. Uh, did you did you request it? Maybe I can make you the host. Maybe it'll do the same. Let's see. Um, I just got to make sure that when you leave, it doesn't end the show. So w- when you do leave and it says end, just say, click leave and not end if it gives you that permission, okay? Okay. Be good. Record on this computer. Here we are. Okay. I count it down in three, two, this meeting is now being recorded.
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Truth Seeker. This is the Truth Seeker Podcast. I'm excited, delighted to be with you guys again today. I really enjoy doing this, man, um, coming on here for Conscious Conversation, talking to people from like every strain of life, every walk of life, people from different backgrounds and stuff. Some people I'm close with, some people I have history with, some people you guys are getting uh, an organic uh ear in on our first time we're ever speaking. So uh, this interview today is going to be really good. I'm going to be speaking with Vinny Eastwood. We're going to be talking about some cool subjects. I was just on his uh, show last week, and we, we did a really good interview over there. So excited to kind of pick up the conversation. Um, I can't go any further before I Thank the patrons, everybody who enables me to be doing what I'm doing with the music and the podcast and everything that I'm bringing to the table, uh, spiritually, the teachings and all this stuff that I that I do. Um, everybody supporting at Patreon. I want to give a quick shout out to the newest patrons that we have this past week. We have Anna Farajal. I know I mispronounced that. Thank you, Anna, for coming on board. My good friend, Jeremy Griffith, who came on board. Ashley Ray and Jan Cobb. Thank you uh, to the latest people who have joined on uh, forces with me on Patreon. I couldn't do this without you guys. So thank you so much for believing in my work and um, making it known. So if you would like to support, want to hear more podcasts, hear more music, get exclusive rewards and things like that, head on over to patreon.com backslash truthseeker. There you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month and a dollar goes a, a long way. It really does. Um, and you get access to extra podcasts, behind the scenes stuff. Um, my full discography of music. I just put out a new album. We had an album release party uh, this past Friday and uh, it was beautiful. So you get access to that new album, which is available there. Plus like 10 plus albums that I have under my belt, all available there on Patreon. You also get access to what we do on Thursday nights is the Thursday night school of the mystics, which is tonight for those of you listening live in the chat room, we'll be doing the, uh, um, school of the mystics tonight is essentially the community behind the podcast. And so, um, for just listening week to week, a lot of people feel like this is their, their, uh, church meeting. Like they get spiritually fed by, the conversations and the, and the things that we get into. And so it really takes it to the next level where you get to meet uh, some, some of the, the people who are involved, some of the supporters and get to spend time with, with me as well. I'm, I'm available there. And we've been going through some courses and stuff together the last few weeks. And so we're going to be doing that tonight. And um, yeah, we're going to be doing activation, prayer, studying, and it's really focusing on hearing uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and and and, and moving in, in that realm. So it's been really good. So if that's what you want, you're looking for a community, you're looking to take your walk to the next level and have nobody to talk to, trust me, you're not alone. There's many people out there just like you, and I'm one of them. And so we all congregate Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central at the School of the Mystics. Make sure you check that out. I'm excited about that. So really good stuff. So Without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest in. This is Mr. Vinny Eastwood of The Vinny Eastwood Show. Welcome to the, the podcast, my brother. How you doing? Yeah, somewhat fabulous is my standard response. Standard response. This interview maybe almost didn't happen today, man. You've been having a rough day. What's going on? Rough night, rough morning. Um, 
Can't really talk about it on air, actually. Come to come to think of it. <laughs> Cases are pending. Um, well, it's not not so much that. It's just yeah. um, you know when you do something for somebody and uh, you don't feel appreciated, or, or like you have a relationship with somebody and you you're always giving them something, but they're never giving you anything back. It's kind it's kind of like one of those uh, yeah. type things. I've yeah. been involved in a few of those even of recently. So good thing to kind of break free and get out of those, man. I think that's uh, something that holds a lot of people back, holds a lot of people down when you're putting out um, energy and effort and work, but you're not getting it back. You know, you'll give your last dime, you give the shirt off your back to someone. And then, you know, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. But I mean, subconsciously, like if you have a, a friendship or, or this, camaraderie with people you would kind of expect the same thing back like hey i'm going out of my way for you and then when i'm in a time of need maybe you'll be there for me you know and it doesn't happen yeah who are all your best friends your best friends are the ones who are reliable with who give you something when you ain't got it and you give it to them when you when you got it and they don't right that's what that's what friends and supporters is is really all about when it's all flowing one way yeah yep 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 so uh, thanks for coming on with me again. We've talked a couple times now. I've uh, been in touch with you for a few years now. My first my first big interview uh, when I started doing the spiritual hip-hop and esoteric research and all that stuff was with Vinny Eastwood on the Vinny Eastwood show. And so that was a really good interview. And uh, at the, the you know very early years of, of what I've built now, you know, over the years, just being consistent, man. And you were there from from the beginning. So huge thank you. For that, that was some years ago. You're still doing it. You haven't skipped a beat. You know, you've had some setbacks and things like that. I'd like to talk about some of it. But before we get started, just give my listeners, if people have no idea who you are, just kind of give them a background about who you are and what you bring to the table. Okay. Um, you may not realize this, but New Zealand doesn't like squeaky clean and green and, and really lovely and, and that kind of thing. In fact, you might find yourself strangely familiar with its situation. We've got a population that's drinking too much alcohol, killing each other, hurting each other, you're driving around, getting in car accidents and things like that, being heavily obsessed with sport, aren't actually fulfilling any of their own potential, going to endless jobs that don't, don't frickin' matter, all of their um, retirement savings and uh, pay and uh, rights and employment opportunities and things like that are all shrinking by the day we've got fluoride in the water we've got vaccines being pushed out by the government and and uh, subsidized we've got chemtrails in the sky we've got a corrupt government a corrupt police force a corrupt judiciary a corrupt medical system it's um it's basically exactly like if you're an american like home isn't it it's exactly the same situation and you go, okay, okay, um, because this was the realization I had. Because when I was getting woken up by American talk radio show hosts about all the corruption and the, and the bad senators and the, and the bribery and that kind of thing that was nesting through all periods of society using secret societies and other influential groups and universities and education and indoctrination uh, to get people interested in it. Then I started interviewing activists in New Zealand about these things that they would normally get about maybe a, maybe a 12 second sound bite, 30 seconds if they're lucky, but you interview them for hours and you start to realize that there's actually 
a, a little bit more uh, to the issues that they were um, reported to have been talking about. And it paints this incredibly horrific and scary and dangerous picture of New Zealand. Like, think about that. The, the irony. New Zealand? Corrupt and dangerous and deadly? That just, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and, and of course, it doesn't make any sense. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. It's happening because the world is run by crazy people. All right? That's why they call it a new world order. People seem to be operating under this illusion that there'd be some country that would be exempt. There's some people who've left America to come to uh, other countries and things like that and found that they are in the same situation, (laughs) just with a different accent. And that's what New Zealand is, ladies and gentlemen. It is America with a different accent. All right. The world is becoming like this. And I feel that uh, I'm because I've gotten, what was it, 36,000 YouTube subscribers? The largest other uh, YouTube news channel in New Zealand is the New Zealand Herald with about 20,000. So that's the New Zealand Herald TV. That's like the number one newspaper in the country. I've got more YouTube subscribers than they do. And they were previously the number one most subscribed news channel for YouTube in New Zealand. Now, what's happened is I got an American show uh, on American Freedom Radio. Been doing that for about maybe 10 years or so. And early on in my career, we were getting on uh, people like George Norrie uh, of Coast to Coast AM or John Perkins, who wrote The Economic Hitman and very high caliber guests like this. And um, ever since then, it's been, you know, pretty much a daily struggle trying to just get the truth out. Don't become corrupt. Don't become bitter and cynical with everybody. Keep creating things. Keep putting it out there. And regardless of what encouragement the universe gives you, you keep doing it anyway. And that's basically the goal of life, I think. Because that gives you purpose. And if you don't have any purpose, you don't really have a life. And um, people go, well, I can't define my purpose or whatever. And they go, well, your purpose is pretty easy to figure out. All right? I might be the first person in history to tell you that your purpose is actually quite easy to figure out. <laughs> you just understand what you're thinking. All right? How do you want to affect the world? What do you want to do? And then have a look up there. In your mind, that's the fifth dimension up there. One dimension's a dot, two dimensions is a line, three dimensions is a box, and four and four dimensions is that box moving through time. Fifth dimension is that box without time, without space. That's where your thoughts come from. That's where your inspiration comes from. And your purpose is to turn those thoughts into reality. By reversing the process, you get the idea in the fifth dimension, you spend fourth dimensional time working on that idea, and you manifest that idea into the three-dimensional universe. That idea can then start influencing and affecting other people around you, and then it'll start giving them new ideas in fifth dimensional consciousness as well, and start them being able to create and co-create, rather, uh, very interesting unique solutions 
to the problems we have at hand, which are multiplicitous. And ergo, it's too many problems for one mind to figure out, for one solution. It's too big a problem for a mechanism as slow, cumbersome, and prone to organized crime management as government. They can't handle it. So every person must find within themselves those ideas, and they must will them into reality and spend their time on them. Otherwise, there won't be any time left for any of us. The situation's gotten that bad, apparently. Man, um, very well put. Um, a lot of people saying that in the chat. Vinny Eastwood, the alchemist. You understand it, man. You really do. Um, you've been doing this for a long time. Hats off to you. You're consistent. Like I said, we, you've had some things come against you, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit because I've had some s- similar uh, obstacles, I guess, if you want to call it. But I, I'm just kind of picking uh, some some things out of what you said, and there's two two points I just wanted to kind of uh, pick your brain on a little bit. Um, first of all, you said that uh, New Zealand is like America with a different accent, right? And so I want to I want to ask you this because this is definitely the case here when we hear people with your accent or people from Australia they have this this accent and then they speak in an intellectual way or talk about stuff that's deep or mystifying or religious like they immediately have our attention and for some reason it, they already have like this credibility that they know what they're talking about like that's a thing here right is that a thing with our accent to you guys? If oh, something, abs- absolutely. Someone, someone else we, comes on the scene that's different. They sound different. Oh, well, in New Zealand, when an American starts talking about ideas and everything, people automatically assume they're an idiot. So, yes, it's the exact same dynamic, but in the oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say, because I'm wondering, do I need to move to New Zealand, man, and uh, <laughs> embrace oh, my accent, man? And, well, well it, it's an interesting divide and conquer thing. So, like, you've got there's, there's real people and then, and then there's uh, manufactured people, more or less. And the manufactured well outnumber the real. Uh, so real people will say, oh, you're American, stuff like that. They don't really care. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be from Britain, you could be from Brazil, but they'll still take an interest in you regardless because you're new, you're interesting, and you're different. Um, and that's the same thing that really uh, we're talking about here is that anything that's different, we're curious about. However, there's the flip side of that, uh, which is the manufactured worldview, uh, that anything different is dangerous. And you get um, xenophobia and uh, th- things of that nature and people uh, looking down, speaking down uh, to people and and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Yeah, because if you, uh, Vinny, whenever you put your, your suit on and you just start talking and, you, and you're talking about the spiritual alchemy and th- these type of things, like you'll, win a crowd in america like very easily so so it's kind of there it's just that that what something different is sexy like it's just something different odd and we feel like they have the answers that we're all looking for because it's coming from an, a new perspective and you, th- you think that's p- a piece of it and it's universal well the accent is sexy bro like seriously <laughs> i can't i can't argue with you it's debatable though but i, I mean the, um... <laughs> Well, FHM magazine, it's an Australian men's magazine, uh, had a uh, a poll among women about what was the sexiest accent and actually came up uh, that the Irish accent was was the sexiest. 
right? Mm. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, there's there's levels of appeal uh, to each and every accent um, and in different ways. Like, for example, for comedy, I really like the uh, the South African accent. It's low, it's, gu- it's guttural, it's, it's, it's kind of very Dutch. Yeah. And the yeah. Dutch have a, um, have, they've got a sense of humor, but uh, can be quite cold. Uh, but it's not like that because in South African humor is a little bit different because most humor or most uh, powerful and successful humor, uh, at least, is born out of people who have suffered massively. And if you're a white South African, oh my God. I remember my mate was telling me, oh, it's in a pretty good suburb, mate. There's only 52 murders a week. (laughs) Just a suburb, 52 murders a week. And that was considered extremely safe, right? Um, Another guy, he was talking about his wife having to uh, get her hair coloured. And in New Zealand, he's like, yeah, go take it, mate. Take the money. Just go. But in South Africa, he had to have maybe at least a three-man detail and a bulletproof car and a couple of uh, machine guns just to take his wife down to get her hair colored, right? So when you're in a situation like that, you learn to deal with it, right? Human beings are remarkably tough. And they will, however, discover that they don't want to be in a situation, right? That's why a lot of them... Uh, manage to leave but while they're still there the thing that keeps them alive for a large part is having a sense of humor about it you know Mm -hmm. actually being able to laugh at how horrible and how terrible things are to make fun of them and it's just because we don't really have any other choice it's um, the old adage called uh, gallows humor you know and I think that uh, a lot of the truth movement is missing out on this quite substantially. Like, I I think even, you know, ironically, Joe Rogan being a a comedian, the vast majority of the shows that I've listened to him on, very, very serious most of the time, right? Whereas I think that it's actually a better idea to just have fun, or at least I take people literally when they suggest me things, all right? Like, for instance, when I became a security guard, uh, the first thing on the piece of paper was your job is to make sure people are, are having a good time tonight, right? Surprisingly, <laughs> as a security guard, that was the first thing they told me. And that was the most important thing to me. But it wasn't what they wanted me to do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, and, and just like when I first got on American Freedom Radio, uh, uh, Danny said, your job is to have fun, right? Because if you're having fun, the audience is having fun. So I took it literally. Now, at the same time, I come across as very cavalier because I'm on a show and I'm just like, I'm on a show and I'm going to have some fun. You know, what, what's, I don't see a problem with that, but I can see why other people have a problem with it. And that's because they're dicks. Okay, like pretty much. If you can't, if you can't talk about serious stuff and have fun with it at yeah. the same time, I'm afraid you may have turned into a dick. All right. It, it's just that simple. You've got to have a sense of humor about life. Otherwise, you're going to become bitter. You're going to become conceited. You're going to be unaccepting of others. Yeah. You're going to become dangerous yep. to yourself and those around you. You're going to become nihilistic. You're going to become depressed. 
Because, again, judging people for their differences without having a look and seeing what the value actually is in somebody inherently. Like, let's say I had, I don't know, 100 different values or whatever, and you like 97 of them, but you chose to switch off uh, listening to my show <laughs> where I interview a different person every week because you don't like three traits that I've got. Okay, that's basically what it's come down to. I've had people who have listened to over a thousand of my broadcasts, they claim, and then listen to me interview one person and then switch off. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> you had the flat earther on. <laughs> no, surprisingly, I wasn't, uh, I didn't seem to lose anybody for the uh, having the flat earther on because who was the flat um, earther you had. Well, I think it was uh, Santos Bonacci. Santos, yeah, yeah, yeah about the uh, the five false teachings or, or top five five uh, false teachings or something like that was the uh, name of yeah. the video or just search uh, Santos Bonacci. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I don't know if I lost followers or or an audience because of him, but it attracted an audience, right? And people would watch it and automatically think that like my stance was his stance just because I'm like asking him questions about flat Earth and things like that, you know. They thought, well, truth seekers are flat earth. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I made sure I didn't, I'm not going there. You know what I'm saying? I'm letting Santos have it. But if I was to explore it, who better to have on your podcast than Santos Bonacci at this point? Um, which is a, um, I would call him a friend. He, I think he's a mutual friend of ours. Um, and it, and I t- I've told you this before, but when he made that transition from like, astro theology and um you know the inner uh, holy science and stuff like that to flat earth um he got you know i think his audience maybe split down the middle he lost a, a, a huge following and a lot of support because of that because it's so um it's a topic that's polarizing he lost a lot of supporters and i seen what happened to him and i said you know what I'm not going down that road forget flat earth and i had people like want me to take a stance like it was a religious debate which side are you on, Truth Seeker? I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Like, I'm not, it's not even that serious for me. And people were doing that. But I seen what happened to him, and it put him in a weird, weird place. You know what I'm saying? Someone that we, I guess we look up to him spiritually, you know, and uh, put him in a weird space. You see what it did to him being on, it, it, it'll do that to anybody who has a platform, and then you become the laughing stock or whatever the case is. And it put him in a weird spot. You had him on, um, not to, um, exploit him and his weakness or exploit him in his time of need. But as a friend, like, Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? You know, in that interview, man, I listened to that one versus trying to listen to anything about flat earth, because I can tell that you genuinely cared about him. Right. And uh, so that's, that's beautiful, man. I want to commend you to that for actually giving a damn and not exploiting. Tell us more about the flat earth. You know, this is a hot topic right now and actually caring about the man. So hats off and kudos to you for that, man. Well, it's not just him. In fact, that was one of my other principles that I found out, like, and I learned that during uh, telesales. In order to successfully sell someone um, on something, you had to know that it was actually good for them. Like first, first and foremost, I know this is good for you, mm-hmm. um, and that's the only reason I'm actually going to continue talking. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... What that means is that you have to care, okay? You have to care about the person on the other end of that line more than you care about yourself at that particular moment, all right? That's, that's where the birth of my interview technique actually came out. I remember one time I took a, uh, 
I called up some guy trying to sell his landlines and internet, and I wound up having a conversation with, with him about his uh, wife who took his kids, took his business, took his home, took his car, and he's completely homeless, had no money, couldn't do anything. Right, and I uh, I had to uh, put down that phone. Like everybody was like calling and meeting, Vinny, get off the phone, get off the phone. And I was I was just like, oh my god, had to hang up the phone. I went into the uh, the bathroom and I just cried and cried, man, because it was like the thing is when you care, it comes with a certain amount of baggage. Always doesn't matter who you're caring about, everybody's yeah. got baggage, and part of caring is sharing that load. Right, and that's what the show is really about. Not to just act like you care, but actually care. Yeah. Right? Um, And I think it's important. And that's probably uh, the reason why a lot of the time when I've interviewed somebody who's a massive guest, who's been on thousands of interviews, participated in hundreds of documentaries, will say, this is the best interview I've ever had. And um, reason for that is it's not actually an interview. It's a conversation, right? An interview is when one person wants to know something, get to the bottom of something, and they've got questions that they ask. A conversation is somebody wants to know you, but they know that the person who knows you best is you. And often you don't really need to ask questions. You just need to listen. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the best the best thing, and I've tried to kind of take that a- approach as well as of recent with with my shows and stuff. It's just been a lighthearted conversation, and um, I guess for an example, I kind of give this example. I've had I've been on um, Project Camelot. We know you know uh, Carrie Cassidy. I was on her show as a guest, and when I was on there, she was real defensive. You know, she has an agenda, a belief that she wants to push, and those things right about ufology and secret governments and things like that but she's interviewing a lot of people and she's doing a lot more interviews so that she's opening up to more people she doesn't know a lot about she knew a little about me had me on but she was real defensive i mean her demeanor and i wasn't trying to like i'm just you know being myself and just you know just trying to have a good time and find common ground with with her on her show as a guest and uh it was she was real defensive man and she cut me off and abruptly and I, 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 but other people believe this and you said you believe Jordan Maxwell and Jordan Maxwell doesn't believe that and just like checking me and stuff and I'm like look I don't have nothing to prove I'm just on here sharing this space with you you know this type of deal and it was it was awkward we had a good conversation but it was awkward put it that way I had her on my show and I'm picking her brain setting up good questions letting her talk about what she loves and the, the the aura of the show, the whole essence of it was night and day. She was smiling. She would giggle. She would laugh. She was flattered, like all of this stuff. And it was a night and day interview. And I got so many messages and, and responses from her audience saying, hey, thank you. We haven't seen her smile in a long time. She's been going through some stuff and had attacks and threats and all this stuff. And she's been really burden with this stuff so thank you for doing this this show with her and making her smile making her laugh and that's that's what it's about for me you know it's not about like battling belief systems or getting to the bottom of it you know and it was so it was so beautiful and i've I've taken that approach even though we talk to 
the Jordan Maxwells and the real esteem. These are regular people, man. You know? You're muted. You're muted, Vinny. I've I got a bit of a one-upmanship thing, though. <laughs> I made Mark Passio laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Like nobody's ever seen Mark Passio laugh. Like nobody. <laughs> Very similar approach, so that we talk to these people who are just poised and uh, this is important. This is the the truth, and we got to get to the bottom of it, and then we can talk about it and laugh about it. I think we have to. Some people, some people get mad. They get they get offended when we laugh about some of the stuff that we believe in or once believed in. I think it's good to laugh about it. Because like you said, we take ourselves too seriously and it'll drive us crazy. We have to laugh about this stuff, man. This stuff will drive you mad if you take it as absolute truth and this is the only way and this pe- these people are right and they're wrong and stuff like that. It'll drive you crazy. So I found immense peace in just being able to laugh at the quirkiness of it all, you know, because it really is, you know. It's a... It's an understanding a fractal system of infinite complexity. So something that it's impossible for you to actually understand everything that's working here in your lifetime. It's simply not possible. Like, for example, cram everything that's in Google in your brain. (laughs) Not enough storage space. (sighs) You know, you're screwed. And that's, I think, what people have uh, tried to do is develop a shorthand for life. Okay, so they go, okay, this means that, that means this, and so on and so forth. They don't elaborate on the so on and the so forth. They are content with saying this means this and that means that, right? And they try to put things into very easily definable categories. Just black and white, that's it. Apparently, this phenomenon has become even more pronounced in human behavior since the advent of social media. We are now what many would consider over-categorizing things. Okay? Um, I like to do the opposite of that usually. I like to, um, shall we say, look into things a little bit deeper than what I've heard or even what I've seen. Because maybe the person I'm talking to knows something I don't. Maybe I don't know everything. And maybe it's arrogant to even act or assume anything different, right? When you're totally open. (sighs) And you're absolutely capable of receiving things. That's when you grow. When you're totally closed, you learn nothing. Imagine a conversation where two people are yelling at each other, where both of them walk away from that conversation. Man, I learned a lot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know he was so attentive to, my, <laughs> to the points I was trying to make. It just doesn't happen that way. So I found a lot of the time we... Um, are suffering complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So you may understand what this feels like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you've become a truther in some way, shape, or form. Here's what causes it. Number one, you realize that your life is no longer absolutely in your hands anymore, that there's actually real threat against it, palpable threat, that there is absolute proof 
exists, real threat over your life. You can't really con- control it. And it's been completely different up until that point. You thought you are in control, you're no longer in control. That period of not having control over what happens in your life has to continue for between one month and six months. If it does, your brain will react to that endless aura of threat by rewiring itself to uh, proactively react to threats and proactively avoid them. So if a threat comes into your midst that's unforeseen, you get an instant rush, massive adrenaline. You get real angry, real freaking fast. You can do crazy stuff. Okay, your brain's been wired that way to protect you because the previous threat that you've survived, the memory of that threat will never go away. Never. And on the opposite side, you will often try to avoid situations that cause you to feel this way. I feel this way when I am employed by somebody who can tell me what to do with my time. (laughs) You know? I get that way when I am talking to a police officer who isn't going to just let me go. I get that way um, when people are on the phone to me and they're angry at me for something, for something that I haven't done. So I avoid all of those situations in my life perpetually. I have to. So let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't go near authority figures, employers, <laughs> or um, uh, anything like that, or deal with angry people, what job could you possibly do? All right? Think about it. It's a very, very short to virtual non-existent list of things. You're not going to be able to avoid those things perpetually. But I found the, uh, the way to keep the least amount of aggro in my life is I get to pick and choose the people that I'm talking to, and either I'm invited on their show or they're invited on my show, so we automatically owe each other something, so there's going to be no beef. That way, I get to do something that I really longed to do since I was a very small boy. Have decent role models, all right? <laughs> I mean, do you have any idea how horrible my family life was, okay? Only a horrible family life could turn somebody into something as positive as me, all right? Because you'd have nothing to compare it to. Everybody's uh, talking about their, their, their woes and their sadness and their tragedy and these kind of things. Not to say that these aren't significant, not to say that these aren't important. But they were absolutely necessary for you to become the person that you are today. Absolutely yeah. necessary. If they weren't necessary, they wouldn't have happened. And I mean, you can only look at that in the retrospective, though. You can't say in the future, ha, 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 anything bad to you couldn't have happened in any other way. Because the bad things that happen to you teach you those lessons. Okay? I found the most important and valuable lessons in my life have been those that have cost me the most. Yep. 100% true, man. I'm with you on that. Um, some people thrive in that, though. Like, they enjoy making people feel that way. You know, they, they enjoy pushing people into a, into a corner and being a... Uh, um, Predator? 
Yeah, yeah, a predator accusing people. Um, I, I'm the same way. I don't like it. You feel like you have it, you have it all together until that happens, and you feel that that loss of breath. You're like, oh Lord, I don't, I, I don't want to do this. You know, it reminds you of something that you know of the past, and we talked about it a lot on 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 your show. The fact that I come mm-hmm. from the religious background, where I I was one who did that. I love to debunk people and. I did expose the videos and all that kind of stuff, you know, and prove people how they're wrong according to my point of view, which I thought was the like a biblical point of view, honestly, put it that way. And so I, I try not to do that now and for good reason. And I have people who are doing that to me now and I have people who are mad at me now because I don't do that. And I'll have Jordan Maxwell on the show and we'll discuss what are they angry yep. because you grew up and they didn't? <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, yeah. At the end of the day, they still stuck in fight or flight, and if I'm wrong, um, maybe eternally punished. You know that those type of of beliefs. Well, well the, the old saying, um, what do you get when you look for a fight? <laughs> a fight. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. So, like, don't start none. Won't be none. Everybody's going into these uh, YouTube comments um, sections specifically, I, I get, on at, at least a couple a day of abusive, ignorant, arrogant comments of people who either didn't watch the video or just didn't listen to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? um, and a lot of anger in them, you know, and that's that's OK. You know, anger's anger's good. It's better than just being sad uh about something and being demotivated about something anger gives you a little bit of energy a little bit of oomph you know you can go out and you can do something when you're angry you can protest you can <laughs> write an angry rap song or something like that mm-hmm. right whatever keeps your luftwaffe alive but uh the point of it is if you are bringing aggression towards people who have not aggressed you okay for example uh, you look at anything that i've ever done pretty much and where am I bringing aggression into it, right? And the answer is I'm not. Uh, so the reason why people become aggressive towards me just baffles me. It's like, what what, what have I done to, to offend you, sir? <laughs> I'm the same way, Vinny. I'm the same way, making them lash out. Do it something because... Is it, I mean, we've, we, I know we talked about this on, our, on, on, on your show, but it's I guess it's worth repeating, like... Is it a jealousy thing? Are they jealous? I think that I think a lot of people are jealous that there's people listening and they're upset that their narrative is different from yours and they feel like you're misleading people, not just you, but me as well, because I get the same backlash. You know, I don't I don't go out looking for a fight. I look to find peace with everybody, even people I don't agree with people who you would people would consider my enemy. I'm still trying to find common ground and build with them upon the things that we believe in on a public platform. And that makes those other people mad who seemingly believe what you believe, but they're like, they want that microphone. Like they're like, Vinny, you need to give it to him, man. He's wrong. You know, and they're mad at you for not lashing out. It's this weird jealousy thing. They're jealous of a platform and things. I've had really close friends, man, over the years. And man, that, that jealousy comes in and, and uh, they feel like they're more qualified to have, you know, they feel like they should be doing what you're doing all along. They want it to do what you're doing, which at the end of the day, I think is simply doing what you love to do. I think it don't matter what, I don't care if you're a football player. Oh, I was, 
I was good back in high school, whatever the case is, like they feel like they should be doing and they're more qualified and they're jealous that you're doing what you were destined and put here to do. I talk about a jealousy. I would watch Joe Rogan, maybe even you or just anybody who was doing what they are like put here to do and they're flowing and they're making a living doing it and they're having fun and it comes with ease and grace and they don't have to will nothing to happen. They're in this sweet spot where it works. And I would get jealous, not as like an envious jealous, but a jealousy like, hey, I want to do that too. And if I play my cards right and I'm consistent and I show up, I can do it. And that's for the haters. That's for the people who want your platform and want to step in and, and cut you off. And as a matter of fact, you and things like that, they could be doing the same thing as well. If they would funnel that negative energy into something positive to understand what they're put here to do or what they're good at doing and be consistent, it's going to grow, man. Um, People are asking here in, in the comment section, and I wanted to talk to you as well. Talk a little bit about your growth in the early days of being consistent, right? If you if you didn't show up and if you didn't just keep showing up, there wouldn't be no growth in what you're trying to plant. Um, t- talk about the early days and, and, and just getting started. And actually, when did you get started? I know you've been around a while. When was you like your first official show? I think it was like in 2009 I became the co-host of the Global Freedom Report on American Freedom Radio, and then they fired the host and gave me the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that was in 2009, mid-2009, mid so I was getting up, I think my show was 3 a.m. till 5 a.m. local time, five days a week. So that was Tuesday through Saturday. Five days a week, two hours. So you had to learn quick too. It wasn't just one a week. You had to learn quick. I had natural talent going into it because at that point I'd um, I've been doing my YouTube for uh, about a year and a half, and that's how I got noticed uh, by a producer at American Freedom Radio, who who became my producer. And um, it turned out that uh, you know I was a big Alex Jones fan and whatnot. And it turned out that. uh, the guy who was running the network uh, was actually one of Alex Jones's former producers, you know? And uh, so I was like, Oh my God, you're getting in good company. But then they started telling me who he really is, what he really does to people. Alex Jones. What he did to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I came up with a saying uh, around that time is that when you put someone on a pedestal, once they come tumbling down off that pedestal, you, the stupid bastard who put them up there, is going to be the one who's crushed. All right? True. Uh, and that's the thing is uh, to realize that we're all human and there's probably a dark side to everybody. You know, there's there's dark sides to me. There's, there's things that I do that if everybody knew and, and, and that kind of thing, um, you know, they'd turn off my show or they'd stop donating or, or something like that for, for whatever reason. Um, and... For a large part, I I feel myself not feeling sorry for myself, but sorry for myself. Like, I'm sorry for what I do. I'm sorry for what I am. I'm sorry for uh, it, all these times that I've tried and failed. I'm sorry. I'm just really, really sorry all the time. And I have this immense obligation on my shoulders. Like, I don't have uh, children. I've been trying for, like, 10 years or something like that 
and I started to realize that I needed some kind of parental responsibility. I needed something that I couldn't just wiggle out of. And I realized what was happening to me is that I was becoming sort of like uh, a loving parent to a lot of people in the in the truth movement. Like I'd see somebody who's in a really bad jam or something like that, and I'd get them on the show and make them feel better. Or, you know, and, and I'd, I'd done that quite quite a bit throughout my career. The only reason I've got you on the show is because I heard you having a hard time and I brought you on to cheer you up, that kind of thing. And um, I was uh, driving to a mate's place one time and uh, radio didn't work in the car, so I had to think while I drove. And um, yeah. thought to myself, what do I want to accomplish after I die? No, 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 not what I want to accomplish before I die, but after I die. And I thought to myself, you know, what if somebody who saved a lot of human lives, like million plus human lives through their activism and uh, their, their general workings and causes and things of that nature. When I die, they come to my funeral. And they come up and they say something and they say, there was this time when I was feeling really, really down on myself. I was feeling really, really miserable. And I didn't feel like continuing trying to do the right thing in the world. But there was this guy, Vinnie Eastwood. And he brought me on my show and he taught me about the, the lighter side of genocide. He taught me to have a few laughs and not to take myself so seriously. And it uh, allowed me to get back to work. Yeah. And I saved a million people. And um, a day later, a guy who's written five books on depopulation, who's currently like, who uh, did like a hunger strike and things like that outside the Vatican uh, against the covert depopulation agenda, uh, put a post on his Facebook that said almost word for word. <laughs> what, I, what I said, right? And I was like, oh my God, damn, I've already accomplished what I want to accomplish after my death in life. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I cheated myself out of my destiny. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a funny old world, um, that, um, because how that worked is, I was feeling sorry for myself and was feeling like I didn't want to really continue. And then when that person said that, it stopped that situation, right? Which is exactly, interestingly, what I needed to happen and what I was, uh, what I was loving about the whole situation. Because uh, I think hope, you know, whatever, whatever um, empty platitude that politicians are pandering these days uh, doesn't mean what they say it means hope means a little bit of something different yeah Hope means to me very little it means not impossible okay smite smidgen chance you know it's not optimism it's not anything like that hope is the basically it's ignoring the vast majority of reality and holding on for a better tomorrow doesn't work very well if you don't work every day towards that better tomorrow and feed that hope, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> yep. otherwise, you'll just go like, hmm, what have I accomplished? Nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, feel pretty depressed and 
feel like I haven't accomplished something that with my life. Hey, look, there's a person over there that I know that's accomplished something with their life. I'm going to get angry with them. I'm going to send them an abusive message or something like that. And uh, it was a realization I was coming to this morning about why um, a lot of people uh, seem aggressive with me. I mean, theoretically, it's because I at least appear to have a purpose. I at least appear <laughs> to have an attentive audience. That's good, man. They, on the other hand, do not even have an appearance of that. <laughs> and so they're angry with me because yeah. every time they see me, they see a reflection of what they're not. And yeah. it makes them really angry with themselves. And yeah. because they're so freaking irresponsible, <laughs> they choose not to be angry with themselves and motivate themselves into doing something about it. You preach it, man. Angry with me. It's all you're to blame. You. Yeah. You've been working really hard at what you want to do with your life. But what about my life? What about my life? It's your life. That's why they call it your life. You're supposed to actually suss it out, bro. Like, uh, go on. What, what did you do yesterday? You spent eight hours watching television and four hours playing video games and about eight hours sleeping, huh? You, you, there, was, there was eight hours of work in there somewhere? Yeah, but you only really worked real hard for about 15 minutes during that eight hours of work, huh? Yep. Okay. What do you think you're going to accomplish in the broad scheme of things with that kind of regiment? You're not going to accomplish a hell of a lot, are you? Well, it looks like you're going to have to start busting your ass. And if you want to start busting your ass, you're going to have to uh, realize that your ass has a physical vessel. And if you don't freaking take care of it, <laughs> you're not going to have enough energy to do the things you want to do in life, bro. You're not going to have enough. You're going to feel like crap. You're going to be underperforming. And that's going to make you bitter and angry at all the people who are performing to their abilities. Okay? Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Because you become a detriment, not only to yourself, but to everybody around you. And they, filled with your negative energy, will go and spread that out elsewhere. So if you're not spreading positive energy, you're not making the world a better place. In fact, if you're spreading negative energy, you're making it worse. Stop making it worse. Just, just stop making it worse. Help us out, man. That's the thing. That's the thing too, Vinny. Because like, like, that's one hundred percent. But the whole thing about it is like you're giving them, you're telling them how to do it. You're not hiding anything. You don't have like the secret formula, and it's only for me. And I got to kill the competition or nothing. You're like, hey, this is hard work pays off no matter what you're doing. And all you have to do is is do something, whatever you feel like you're you're called or passionate to do. You're giving quote unquote giving them the game. You're letting them know what will work and what doesn't and what's worked. Yeah. Hard work doesn't just always pay off. It only pays off if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's usually not working for somebody else. You might find out that out the hard way after your 19th job or something. Hmm. Maybe working for other people was actually yeah. the problem and it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to be careful too, man. Cause I talk about how like, like, the mind is so powerful and we can accomplish whatever we put our mind to. And a lot of people will start working and working hard, building things out of false motives or hidden agendas. Like because they didn't get picked, it's like, Oh, I'll show you. I've done that. Trust me. Like I've put money time and I've been building things that I wasn't supposed to be doing and they've become successful. And that's scary when you're like knee deep in something you're like, man, I'm building, I'm, this is taking off and I, I didn't mean it to like, I'm, you, you check your motives. I'm like, man, 
I'm, whether it's I'm chasing a pipe dream that's becoming successful or doing something. A lot of people do it from getting offended or getting overlooked or not getting picked or like I said, getting offended is a big one. It it always um, points back to kind of like what you were talking about, the Alex Jones figures when you put somebody on a pedestal and then they fall and the pedestal comes falling to crush the people who are under it. You know, for for me, coming from like a religious background, they, that always happens in the churches, man. Um, people will put the pastor on the pedestal or their their leadership. And when the pastor falls into sexual immorality or stealing money from the church or quits believing in God, then the people who are following, following the pastor, not following God or this faith in a God, but really at the end of the day, you're following this person's belief in God. Really, you don't have your own. And, uh, and and they fall with them. The pastor quits believing in God. They quit believing in God. The pastor, um, you know, falls and then they, they're all devastated. They quit going to church or they quit believing. And that belief was never there to begin with. They were following another man's opinion of God or, or their role or whatever the case is. And so and the truth movement is like that. There's a lot of people who ain't in the truth movement anymore who used to be because somebody in the truth movement lied to them or screwed them over, or stole something from them. There are a lot of psychopaths in this movement, bro. People yeah. with absolutely no scruples. They will make up anything. They yeah. will do anything. They are very, very, very dangerous. And uh, people have got to be aware of that, right? You're going into a church, oh, the, 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 it shouldn't be the, oh, praise God, that you should be going in there with. It's is this person that is going to be helping me with my spirituality a pedophile, criminal, scumbaggery, uh, a psychopathic cult leader or not? All right, as is the only proxy. That's and they're probably the one of them. Split it into black and white, right? And you know, there's some simple categorization. They, <laughs> yeah, and, they're probably one, at least one. <laughs> yeah, and and the same goes for pretty much everything in life. And just remember that um, these people who don't have scruples are also very good at hiding the fact that they don't and often tell everybody how good they are and how great their morals are and what a great role model they are. You know, this kind of thing where if you knew the truth, every word that got uttered from their mouth would give you bile in the back of your throat, ladies and gentlemen. Vomitus. I mean, let's just look at this. I mean, even, I guess today's the, the best day. Try to go back and watch the Cosby show. Go back and watch the Cosby show with Theo and who I forget all the characters, but Bill Cosby, go back. I can't, we're not going to be able to watch that show anymore. He just got convicted on three accounts of, uh, of, of rape today. He just got convicted. We can't go back and watch that stuff and the jello pudding pop and interacting with the kids and women. You're not going to be able to watch it the same. And it's the same way. The rug was pulled out from, from, from under you. The little old man came from behind the, the curtain from the Wizard of Oz. It was really this little old man who was, you know, projecting this majestic fake uh, persona, essentially, like uh, the American dad, the good, clean-cut, you know, uh, American who was a doctor. And really deep down, this dude was dark, man, you know? We can't watch it the same. Kids say the darndest things. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Think about watching that, knowing that he's a, he's a rapist or a pedophile or something like that. Yeah. 
Right, and then there's uh, Jimmy Savile is like seminal in, in, in a lot of uh, British entertainment as well. Massive pedophile. Rol- Rolf Harris, same, same, same deal. Massive pedophile. And uh, you go after these people and, and you think to yourself, well, uh, I guess I still like the Cosby show, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like at the time it was good, but I'm now looking at it through a different lens, but it's still the same show. Okay, now, Here's the important thing about that. It isn't that the Cosby show is now something that you can't watch because of how your lens has tainted it or who made it or something like that. It was still very good entertainment for its time. What it should teach you, though, is that some of the biggest entertainers in the world are the worst monsters that stride upon the earth. Okay? And understand that every time that you're watching something, even currently, you are in some way supporting whatever monsters are working or heading that project. And I think uh, that's something else that we've got to really start uh, maybe taking responsibility for, like the Harvey Weinstein uh, uh, type thing and the uh, sexual abuse things there, Kevin Spacey with, with all of these kind of things. Now, these people are just pieces of meat that are being chucked out to the media. They mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And they've done very little by comparison to what some others have about uh, industrial scale child trafficking and things of that nature. But here's the point. All of the entertainment industry, more or less, has been infiltrated by the intelligence agencies many, many years ago. Did you know that the CIA has more hours of finished film stock than the entirety of Hollywood's entire history combined? All right? They make a lot of stuff in the, in the CIA film studios, a lot of stuff that the news tells you is real, okay? They're totally manufacturing reality, and only a monster would really want to manufacture people's reality for them. A, a good person would want you to figure out what reality is for yourself, so that way you actually understand it. And the concept of understanding is that you stand underneath it, okay? This is reality. It's up above my head, I can't freaking change it, okay? I can't take off from the ground without some kind of propelling device. I need to be in a plane or, or something like that. So if I take acid, I'm not going to jump off a building to test if I can fly. I'm going to try and take off from the ground first, you know. These kind of things are very, very basic logic. Hey, there's this thing called reality. Don't mess with it. <laughs> I mean, natural laws, they're there yeah. and they exist and they don't really bend for nobody. There is on occasion, you know, people who've like done amazing things and, and, and what have you, but that's not something to just rely on. Just, just take it from me. Don't put forks in an electrical socket. Take it from me. Don't put your hand on the hot oven element. Take it from me. Don't pour boiling water from the jug onto yourself. You know, these are basic rules that we all know are actually going to result in some really bad stuff. Here's the scary thing. One of the basic rules of watching television or movies is that they supplant subliminal messages into your mind to prevent you from waking up to reality. And every single dollar that you give that industry, they not only brainwash you, but they continue to profit from you brainwashing yourself. Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? That's our Hollywood culture. And when I say our Hollywood culture, it's global. Oh, yeah. You know? 
Marvel movies are big in New Zealand as big as they are in Europe and, and, and what have you, just because America has 400 million people who speak one language and happen to really like big blockbuster entertainment made by talented artists, right? But how many of those artists aren't actually artists? How many of those people are actually just psychopaths who steal real artists' ideas? How many people have you seen in the credits have actually done way more work than they were credited for and haven't worked again because they didn't like the people stealing their ideas, taking over their movie, or destroying what they tried to do with it, right? Real artists are being taken out of the game. And you think about this just across the arts in general. How many people does that happen to in the music industry? How many uh, uh, good artists come out with really deep, meaningful, powerful messages who suddenly find themselves without a gig? I mean, could it be happening? Are we being um, controlled by psychopaths at the same time as uh, pedophiles and these uh, sexual predators and things like that uh, behaving in such a horrific way to all the vulnerable people within the industry? It's a giant cult, essentially. full of fake people who have put something on a pedestal that is not uh, their own divinity, all right? And when I say your own divinity, I mean that with humbleness, all right? You're a little fraction of divinity because you got created and you're here and you're capable of creating something. That's the fraction of your divinity. What you do with that and what you do to others is the practice of becoming divine, hopefully, you know, that when I, and I say the word, hopefully, operatively, because you won't ever become a god. All right. Like uh, it reminds me of a joke, actually. What's the difference between a medical oncologist and a god? What is it? A god realizes they're not a medical oncologist. That's what they're doing. I, I, and, and there was a time that I was like my, you know, I was studying all the dark stuff, you know. I mean, I think we've all been there. If you've definitely been into Alex Jones, you've got into the Illuminati and they're watching me and they all, the symbolism and all of this kind of stuff, right? And then it, it come to a, a conclusion at that point. And I think this probably still is the conclusion that these people are playing God, like all of them. They, they, they can shift your consciousness what you think they're trying to defy death they don't want to die this is their kingdom in a biblical sense they don't want to give up their kingdom so they're fighting against like the stuff that is good the stuff that is righteous they're at war with with righteousness essentially anything that looks like god looks like something that is 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 beautiful they're trying to become like they're trying to control everything they're becoming god with this stuff and this is essentially what I mean, what, for me, it's like once I knew they were doing that and there was nothing that you could shock me with, like, hey, did you believe, did you find out that Michelle uh, um, Obama is a man? O- Obama's a man. Oh, that's, no, I, I didn't look into it, but it doesn't surprise me. Did you find out that China has uh, um, plastic rice and it's not really rice, it's, it's plastic, They're feeding the people plastic uh, with, with flavoring on it. Did you know about that? Oh, yeah. Sell us McDonald's, you know, you know, there's nothing like I don't like 
look up this stuff anymore. There's a place I think where a lot of us, a lot of us kind of went through that phase in the whole waking up thing. We're like, oh, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's put it into this rice, you know, plastic rice. Let's put it into it. But it's like these people, we man. Need to, we need to rise up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With that, man. <laughs> goodness, goodness, goodness. It is terrible, Allie. It, it is terrible, but there's no end. There's no end to this wickedness. And the scriptures is cool because the scripture says that they, they, can, they keep plotting on like new ways. They keep trying to invent new ways to do wickedness. Look at where we're headed, man. They're just cr- telling little kids that, you know, you can pick your gender. You can pick what, what you can be, whatever you want to be. Like we tell them that, but it's like, you know, when I was a kid, man, when we wanted to rebel against our parents, we put on black lipstick and became gothic, you know, and grew our hair out and painted our fingernails, become gothic. When these kids rebel against their parents, they abandon their genders. You know what? You raised me as a boy. I'm really a girl. What? It's getting insane. Like this stuff, there's no end to it. It's going to keep evolving. You, when you see, when you see that, that, that dude, um, like 60 year old dude, 50 year old dude, he's now parading around as a eight year old girl. And living his life as an eighteen-year, uh, eight-year-old girl, living with a happily fa- a happy, happy family that adopted him, like they're continually thinking of things that are wicked and evil, and it's not going to stop. It's, all of this stuff is is is, is going to come out, and it's not going to stop. Um, but those who are, we shouldn't give up. We should continue standing for truth. Continue standing for what is right. Go ahead. When you stand for truth, everybody who sees you stand for truth gets emboldened just a little to say the truth themselves. I think so. All right. Ergo, if you've got the balls to say the truth, it's your responsibility to say the truth. Otherwise, the inspiration that you could have given everybody else would otherwise not exist. All right. It's a responsibility. It's a moral obligation, essentially. You know, my my wife's uh, Christian parents had to come stay with us for for a couple of months. And, um, you know, I wasn't uh, overly keen on the idea of my parents-in-law coming to stay with my house for a couple of months. (laughs) Um, So, you know, one night they asked me, so why why did you let us stay here, Vinny? And I go, moral obligation. You know, I don't have a choice (laughs) to obey my moral moral principles, otherwise I am not a man. Yeah. I mean, people think that uh, being free is about having choices. No, it's not. Being free is about determining what your obligations are and choosing whether or not to fulfill them. Yeah. I don't know if this is um, applicable or not, but um, for those watching on on camera, um, I was late night streaming with some friends. We were gaming and and we're just having a a hangout on Zoom, a couple of friends live streaming. And um, it's about 1.30 in the morning and someone knocks on my window, 1.30 in the morning, pop, pop, pop. And I, I jump. Run to the back, get the gun. Hey, somebody's knocking on my window at one thirty in the morning. So who is this? You know, I go wake my wife and daughter up. You know, hey, somebody's out there. So I go outside and check on who it is. And it's like it's a friend of mine uh, who lives about an hour away, strung out on drugs. W- wife kicked him out. He has nowhere to go. He's been doing dr- binging on drugs, and he's out of his mind. You know, he's like, I need somewhere to stay. I need somewhere to stay. And moral obligation. I let him sleep on the floor. One thirty. Look, man, you can, look, go in the room, man. Blah 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 blah. 
put my wife and daughter back to sleep. Look, it's, it's my friend. He's, he's out of it right now. You know, um, he comes in here and he sits down at, at the, at this desk and, uh, starts cursing out my friends, um, who I was live streaming with chatting with. He starts cursing them out. Hey man, blah, blah, blah. And he hangs up on them. And I come back in here and he's like, they told me later what happened. I was like, this is insane. So anyway, there's a moral obligation for that one time. Like you don't get to come back and do it again. You don't get to take advantage of the situation. I can get strung out and go stay with truth. Oh, you can't. Like that happened one time. There's a moral obligation there for me to be there when you need me, but you can't take advantage. Like, Oh, I have somewhere to go. If I get messed up, I go stay. No, you can't, you can't do it. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't want to give too much information. This person's probably listening. He's a huge fan of Vinnie Eastwood. So I don't mean any offense. Didn't say your name. I love you. But it's part of it, man. There is a moral obligation there with friends, at least, man. And and like you're saying, because friends or family, my friends are my family. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and we were talking about like the persecution and stuff and the people who are jealous and envy, like you're going to get those YouTube comments until you roll over and you're, you're dead, you're done. You're, they're going to keep coming. But when it comes from those closest to you is when it hurts the most, right? Those who are friends and, and the ones you will lay your life down for, or you will, you know, make your family uncomfortable so that they can sleep in the, the room or whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you'll do that for those people. And when those people lash out at you, it, it becomes a problem. Yeah. Well, I think um, people forget how much we, we mean to each other and how much it hurts when we betray each other. Um, and the old saying goes that your enemies can't betray you. Only your friends can. Mm. You know? Yeah. And that's something you've got to really, um, you got to take to heart sometimes is that sometimes, yeah, you, your friends ain't, uh, ain't friends anymore, man. You know, so maybe sometimes you realize that they actually never were. Yeah, they're well, they're fair weather friends, you know, Hmm. they come around when times are good. You know, Um, the scripture says a true friend sticks closer than a brother. You know what I'm saying? That that somebody that's going to go with, you know, they're going to have long suffering and walk with you when times get tough, when times are hard. It's funny how like. I don't know if it's it's not a religious thing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing that we feel a connection with people, but like I'm, I'm genuinely led to do that with people I connect with. Like there's a, a genuine bond that, that surfaces. There's a hardwired uh, tribal instinct within us to find like-minded individuals and to build um, structure all right, around yeah those relationships now structure goes with trust more or less and the only way you can actually establish trust with somebody is is ironically just to trust them straight up and have them return that trust with faith all right and that's the difference between you know having faith in something and having trust in something is faith gets rewarded (laughs) if you just trust somebody and they just keep taking 20 bucks keep taking 20 bucks keep taking 20 bucks that's not faith that's just that's just uh, blind trust that's not a good idea Unless, of course, you need to put your money into one after you skip Ireland. In fact, I'll just tell you the backstory on, on that joke there because I, I doubt anybody got it. Yeah. Our, our, former, our former prime minister, educated at Harvard, right, worked on Wall Street, was responsible for selling derivatives, um, one of the pe- first people who bought it in. He, uh, 
he was in Ireland this t- one time and he was uh, helping his clients to avoid tax. And then he left Ireland just as their economy collapsed and put all his money into blind trusts so that the Irish government couldn't grab it back back off of him, which he stole. <laughs> and then he comes to New Zealand and he becomes the prime minister. It gets us from $8 billion in debt to over $100 billion in debt in nine years. Unfreaking believable. Mm-hmm. Borrowed more than 10 times what all previous prime ministers combined. And guess what? He's officially, John Key, in history, New Zealand's most popular prime minister. In fact, he's not known as John Key anymore. He's now known as Sir John Key. All right? This is how corrupt my country is. (laughs) Just a few factoids about one particular former prime minister who incidentally happened to be a Freemason. And who's the new prime minister? Well, she uh, got a Freemason scholarship in order to go to university back in the day. Oh, and who's her father? Well, he was the former head of the police. Oh, okay. Well, I can guarantee these people will really, really want to look into police and judicial corruption, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. Me and my wife were just talking, I think it was last night, um, about where we wanted to go, if we can go anywhere. And, you know, my mind immediately went to, um, you know, where they filmed The Lord of the Rings. New Zealand. They shot a bunch of that in New Zealand. I was like, I want to go there, man. It's just beautiful. I want to go to those rolling hills and and see all of the, all of this beautiful stuff. And then you're like, three words: the South Island. All you need to know about New Zealand. Go to the South Island, and and it's, it's picturesque, Lord of the Rings shit everywhere you look. You drive ten kilometers down the road. Wow, that's amazing. You drive another five. Oh my god, you know. <laughs> You drive, you drive another 20. Woo! God, it's so beautiful. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? And the reason why it's so beautiful is because man didn't build it. <laughs> <laughs> it's untapped. It's untapped. What's the closest community to, to a place like that, though? Like, what's the. Town, and how far is that? Uh, well, it depends. If you fly in from Auckland, maybe about an hour's flight. But if you're driving from, say, the next biggest city uh, closest to Queenstown, probably be Dunedin or Christchurch, that's maybe like a, uh, I think from Christchurch, it was maybe like a six and a half hour drive. Wow. Right? And it's, it's untouched. Nothing close. Six hours away. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's even further than that. I mean, it's just, as I said, it's everywhere you look because you, you're talking about... Uh, a landmass the size of Great Britain that has maybe a little under a million people living on it. All right, that's nobody. All right, that's just that's just empty empty space. The vast 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 majority of it. Sure, people own it and stuff like that, and there's national parks and and what have you. But largely, it's undeveloped. And um, I think maybe now near the Queenstown area, um, where they've got a whole bunch of new intelligence bosses and uh, the Palantir program and Kim.com and a whole whole bunch of big um, cyber head honchos and things like that are now hidden down there huh. uh, and set, <laughs> setting up shops, setting up servers and, and all of this kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, it's just an attractive thing. And the reason why they called it Queenstown is because it's got a, a view fit for a queen. I mean, you're just in the town and you're like, oh, holy, you know, 
you could just leave a GoPro running. And I want to go see that, man. Just, just mouth agape. In Are fact, there hobbits? If you search Vinnie Eastwood, Queenstown, I got a, um, I got a link. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I did a uh, video about that. Or, or rather, a video of just a clip from us talking on the show with some okay. of the Queenstown background uh, stuff that I shot. Oh, my God, it was nice. Awesome. But um, what's problematic is that, again, if you look a little bit closer, you go, hmm, what is in that water that looks so nice and clean and pristine? Ah, it's got compound 1080. What's that? Well, the Japanese used it to poison the Chinese water supplies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Not good, eh? What, what else is in there? Well, a lot of phosphorus. Where's that come from? From the million or so cows that shit into the river because there's no regulations keeping the cows from doing that in the river? <laughs> really? Yeah. No fences, no nothing. It's just, come on, cows. Just, just, just poo in our waterways. <laughs> Go for your life, son. <laughs> and it's just, um, it goes on from there because... Uh, You're killing it for us, Vinny. We're trying to come out there, man. You're killing the dream. Well, again, <laughs> it goes back to my original point, is that there is no such country that is exempt from a new world yeah. order. Yeah. You know? So wherever you go, again, like I said, you can't argue with reality. Okay? Uh, or as Ayn Rand said, uh, you can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Because uh, otherwise she comes up and she bites you in the ass, you know, quite quite harshly. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, I, I don't understand uh, why people uh, come to New Zealand thinking that it's any different other than through the lens of advertising and marketing. Right? It's the only yeah. way you can get people to believe a lie or yeah. a half-truth. You yeah. know, sure, we've got beautiful places down here, but there's a lot of stuff beneath that beauty that's actually very, very ugly. Yep. Like, uh, the police working with judges and um, child services and things like that uh, to kidnap children and uh, to hire them out to gangs. And, and things like that. That's that's not a nice thing to know that your local police do when you're in a small South Island town uh, just outside of Queenstown. You know, that's not something you want to. That's not something you want to know. And um, that's what the truth is. The truth is never something people want to know. They say no. they do, but trust me, you don't want to know. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, you should know, and you have to know. But don't kid yourself and say that you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we think we do. It, we, all, we always get to a point that's like, okay, I, I learned too much. I want to go back. And you, you build with people who have these triggers, like I, especially with me dealing with religion, man. I've, had, I've been in, in situations where like, people will be over at my house or something, and we'll be talking about the Illuminati, and they're getting deep. And, oh, I know about that. And, I'm, and I drop a nugget that's a little bit too deep for them, and they're like, oh. Hey man, let's pray for truth seeker, man. Hey man, you know what I'm saying? Like I always take it too far. They like find common ground. They're like, oh yeah, I know about this. I know about that. I know about alien. I know about that. And I say, okay, you know about this? And they're like, oh man, because it it messes with their paradigm. It's like the cognitive dissonance. Like you can be shown something that's uh, that goes against your core belief on a subject, and you won't believe it if if it even if your belief is uh, proven to be a lie. 
because you're holding to it so tight tightly and you know it, it changes the way you view reality and, and people you know this whole thing about alex jones and, and falling and pastors falling and stuff and pedophiles in the church and bill cosby in religion um there's there's been some pastors over the years big name pastors who fell into going out like getting into homosexual relationships with younger guys and getting caught of doing drugs and whatever in the congregation, they find out about this stuff and they still follow them. You think that everybody pulls support and they're done. But a lot of these people are so connected, especially when their eternal salvation comes into play. Like this guy represents where they're going when they die. And this guy has been their shepherd or whatever. And he falls and they try to, they almost get into the cognitive dissonance like it never happened. And they say, well, we're going to follow him anyway. We believe in him. And he's been done some detestable, vile things that he's admitted to and stuff. And that gets really weird, you know, that people will still follow them and people will, will, will you know, drink the Kool-Aid essentially, right? Be at this commune. Hey, I think they're coming for us. We might as well kill ourselves so we can all go to heaven. Hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. No, let's do it. Let's do it. All these people are rallying with the cult leader, like, y'all finna kill y'all, son? A lot of people, in, in that whole Jim Jones thing, people ran through the woods running for their life. But the majority, they're grabbing people, making the kids do it, and all of these people, it's, uh, I use the term today with a friend, you have a bunch of crash dummies. They crash test dummies. You remember the cartoon and little toys? The little guys that get in the, in the car and they drive head first into a, a, a light pole or a wall and they wreck the car? They're a bunch of crash dummies. We're dealing with a bunch of crash dummies out here, man. You know what I'm saying? And you got to be careful who you let in your circle, who you're getting wisdom from, who you're letting speak into your life from a religious, political, spiritual aspect, whatever, even on just friendship wise. Look at people's fruit. That's what I tell people. Look at how these people live their lives. Look at their relationships. Look at how they treat people. Look how they treat the homeless, the needy, their friends who are going through a hard time. Look at their fruit. And like we talked about on your show, like, like there's a, there's a standard you have to have before you can actually speak into my life. Like, I want to make sure you, you know what the hell you're talking about before you're trying to give me wisdom or correction. I got to make sure you're, it's working for you. Don't give me no, why are you giving me the same wisdom and advice that's not working for you? Don't do it. I have a standard when it comes to that. And I, and I beckon everyone should have some type of standard as well. What gives you the right to give other people advice? It's like, have you got something locked down a hell of a lot better than they do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you've got a right to give somebody advice then. But they have a right to refuse that advice. Yeah. Okay. Now, that might be a stupid move. But then again the advice you might be giving them might not actually be equivalent to their situation. I've found a lot of people have given me advice over the years about things and had no idea what was wrong with me to begin with. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, yeah. unless you know what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with and know exactly how to help them, you can't freaking help them to a large degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned on the street as an activist is no emotional attachment to people's acceptance of the truth. 
okay? Yeah. If you're emotionally invested in somebody uh, going, <laughs> yeah, of course 9-11's an inside job, and you start getting angry and vitriolic and things like that, you're going to do damage to the concept of 9-11 being an inside job yeah. by appearing like a crazed zealot. And you'll build up an image in that person's mind that they'll then categorize anybody else who says 9-11's an inside job and instantly dismiss them. And that's now thanks to you, you moron. Yeah. Okay. And the same goes for any other thing that you're preaching. You're preaching about the flat earth. Go for your life, son. If you're abusing people and, you know, rhetorically just rah, 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 ranting and that kind of thing, best of luck. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked before in the entirety of human history to convince people of ideas, ranting at them, being angry at them, that, that kind of thing. Because those people don't understand your ideas. They simply accept what you're saying out of fear. Which means they have no idea what you actually said. They're just doing what they're told. That's the difference between knowing and believing. Is that belief usually is triggered in somebody else, a person. Not something that's higher or or whatever. The reason why uh, the Constitution mentions God is for legal reasons, not spiritual reasons. I mean, imagine these rights are endowed by God. Okay, then you've got a subsequent government. No, 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 we can override God, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, you, can't, you can't do it legally and lawfully. Still because, to this day. <laughs> even if there's a better way of doing it. No, 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 God, God, God said it was okay. This is what God, no, we've kind of come a long way since those days. Yeah, one can only hope. I mean, uh, one would argue in a lot of ways we've actually gone completely backwards. For example, back in those days, uh, there was no Federal Reserve. There was no uh, Department of Homeland Security. Oh, everything's changed. Everything's totally changed. Like I said, I don't know if it's for for the better or worse. I I am enjoying technology. It's pretty fun. Other than that, man, you know, the advances. I I enjoy technology for one reason. It's an it's an augmented reality. Um, for example, I could conceivably draw pictures of myself by hand and then narrate and write and so on and so forth and maybe put those things together and uh, show someone a, a comic book or whatever because that would be the, the limit of my technological achievement if what we had was, say, pencils and paper and that kind of thing. But we got new shit now. And um, what's happened now, because of the last maybe 20 years of technological development, basically since the birth of YouTube, to put it bluntly, the yeah, birth of YouTube really? and Facebook, yeah. all media uh, of the alternative kind, specifically activist media, has become, uh, well, as I say, it's now got access to a lot more, but there are a lot of people within those fields who don't take advantage of that access, who don't take advantage of the technology, who don't say, you know what, maybe it's worth spending a couple of hours learning how to use Skype or learning how to open up a a Facebook account or a YouTube or a Patreon or something like that. Maybe if I just took like one hour out of my life to, to bring these technological achievements and these new tools into my skill set, maybe it'll make the rest of my life just that much easier. Maybe? Definitely. All right? For example, 
I proved this to myself. I went out on the street one time with a megaphone and I didn't film it. Nothing happened. <laughs> I went out with a megaphone and uh, I filmed it and uh, got 10,000 hits. You know, something happened. Yeah. The same thing, doing the exact same thing, but just recording it and publishing it yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Just that makes what we do have even greater effect. And one of the most important things about being an activist is to be effective, right? Mm -hmm. You've got yeah. limited time, you've got limited money, you've got limited this, that, and the other. All right? Stop freaking wasting your time doing things that barely make a difference and start investing time in things that do. It's very simple. But a lot of the elder generation aren't, um, aren't cool with that, that idea. They're, um, they're stuck in their old ways and they, and they don't want to change with the times. They think that they can change the times. It's like, no, the times change you. And if you deny that, you're going to be stuck yeah. doing the exact same thing that you've been doing for the last 40, 50 odd years or whatever, completely ineffectively. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what is possible and you won't listen either, which makes it all the more frustrating for anybody who tries to help you. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, uh, I got to wrap this up. We got a bunch going on this evening uh, with the, our School of the Mystics deal that we got to get ready for here shortly. Uh, Vinny Eastwood, I appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure to talk with you, man. Go ahead and share your links out. Let people know where they can tune into your, your broadcast as well. There's people mentioning in the comment section that they've already uh, went over there and subscribed to your channel. They really uh, appreciate you. So go ahead and give your links out and stuff like that where people can track you down on social media and follow your work. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Vinny Eastwood. Um, and that way you get a, a list of all my unlisted videos, which uh, is over 100, I think, now. And you get added into the Secret Vinny Eastwood Show Group uh, on Facebook, where I publish new stuff and, um, and exclusive stuff. And uh, you can also then suggest guests for the show. And that's uh, starting from a dollar a month. You give $100 a month, $500 a month, you don't get any more rewards because everything's being put out there for free for people anyway. And these are just the freebies, the stuff that I, I can't release because the person who I recorded with them said, no, 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 you can't do that, you can't do that. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. that's the kind of stuff that I'm not allowed to release. My listeners are at least allowed to uh, listen to if they are a donor. Um, and my main website is the Vinnie Eastwood Show. Dot com. That's Vinny with a Y because it's the most important question. And Eastwood like, go ahead, make my news. And uh, on there, you can basically search up in the little corner bracket there the name of pretty much anybody that you can think of that would be really cool to listen to. You know, <laughs> and 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 um, then you, you can go see. And, and there's a lot of different subjects and things that have been carried on uh, over the years. Uh, everything from archons to zeitgeist. <laughs> it's all in there. Yeah. From A to Z, mate. And, I know. Um, you know a little bit of anything. So it, essentially, we can talk about anything on those topics, and you can do episodes upon episodes on it because you've studied and you've talked with the experts in all those fields, man. That's why I enjoy talking with you. Every, every show, I think it's kind of like mine too, a little bit. Like we've in, in this place where we just 
love conversation. We love to learn. We love dialogue. And like we have people on from all walks of life. You could be talking about, you know, financial decisions one day and how to be successful. And then the next day we're talking, you're talking about archons and all Did kinda. you miss out on having a positive male role model for all or most of your childhood? Yeah, yeah. So did I. Why do you think we're so interested in talking to older, old, older guys who are sharing yep. knowledge with us and, and, and stuff like that and being amenable because we're trying to catch up on becoming men. Yeah, I think so, man. How, um, how was you in school as far as books and studying? I got suspended from high school 17 times. Yeah. And then, so now that's over and out the way. Now you're, the, the whole studying chapter came later, right? Into whether it's esoteric stuff or political stuff or whatever the case is. For me, it like I didn't learn to study until way after high school, you know. Hmm. But well, I had a love for it for the first time. Of like, like right, basically, what they try to do is they try to kill your interest in study uh, when they raise you and when they uh, when they school you. All right, essentially. They're trying to cult indoctrinate you into thinking, oh, boring stuff is something that I have to do and I don't have a choice about and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, that's not the way the freaking world works. That's the way cult indoctrination works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you found out different after the fact because you met somebody, maybe a bunch of people who told you different and, they, and what they told you totally agreed with what you were thinking. And that caused you to change yourself. They didn't change you. You changed yourself. And they simply allowed you to see that you could. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's what a whole lot of uh, learning is really about. How do we change ourselves and make ourselves better? Because we're the only ones that we're actually responsible to do that for. Apart from our kids, of course. And if you've not taken care of your kids, if you're not loving them, and if you're not filling them full of knowledge and uh, helping them become adults, you're not doing your job. Yep. That's it. Vinny Eastwood, thank you for coming on, bro. I appreciate you. Cheers, brother. We'll do it again. Goodbye.